Ante Up is your poker magazine dedicated to the everyday player and their poker rooms. Pick up a free copy at your favorite poker room nationwide each month. But Ante Up is much more than a magazine. Visit AnteUpMagazine.com daily for breaking news and each week download our award-winning poker cast. Join us on our action-packed poker cruises to exotic destinations. Ante Up, it's your poker magazine. From the Anti-Up headquarters in Tampa Bay, Florida, it's the Anti-Up PokerCast. And now, here are two guys who think they know how to play poker, Chris Casenza and Scott Long. It's September 8th, 2017. You're listening to the best, most controversial poker cast on the planet. I'm Chris Casenza. And I'm Scott Long. I have to say that because these are two of the saddest but maybe greatest banter <laughs> items we have ever had on a show. It's like the, yeah, it's you like, can tell. You, you can tell that there's a uh, the w- most ferocious hurricane in Atlantic <laughs> Ocean history is bearing down on us with a full moon. <laughs> because the only news that we have on our show is just this crazy, crazy crap. <laughs> Pardon your pun. <laughs> we'll, we'll get, get to, to that, that in a minute. <laughs> Oh, man. All right, so the Reverend Kevin Gugliotta? Uh, let's see, Gugliotta. All right, he's got to be prison policy. I can't kick my ass if I'm wrong anyhow. So, <laughs> anyhow, uh, the Reverend Kevin <laughs> uh, last week was sentenced to 23 and a half months in jail on child pornography charges. It says he kept illicit material in order to get revenge on God for his poker losses. <laughs> I think God had the last laugh there, maybe. It's... Um... It's it's funny on so many levels, but it's sad on the oh, most important sad. level. Um, what, what I like most about the story, or, or what I found interesting, was, was that the the lawyer confirms that this was what he said. That it was his, it was his <laughs> excuse for doing it. Yeah, the lawyer confirms that he uh, he did keep the uh, child pornography to get back at God. <laughs> like, oh, my, oh, you gotta be kidding me! Wow. Oh, man, this is just an extension of all that where, you know, folks are, you know, uh, like everybody thinks that, that, that they got a direct line to God, right? Like yeah. God's got nothing better to do but sit there and listen to you, <laughs> whoever you are. And so uh, he's got nothing better to do than to look down and go, oh, that Kevin, he's getting back at me so good. I burn. <laughs> this doesn't, this doesn't work. Sorry, folks. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> and he 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 uh, he already served ten months, but you know, so they yeah. they had this guy behind bars all this time already, and uh, uh, I I wonder what you know, take this to a different level or a different angle, like what what do like other poker players, like what do they do for revenge, like on their like their spouses or something for, <laughs> yeah, you know, that's true. It's like oh. You know what? You wouldn't let me play poker, or you, I was thinking about you and I lost that poker hand. Now here's what I'm going to do to you behind your back. You know, what are they? What are those people doing to their to their important people in their lives because they suck at poker? I, I always struggle with, uh, and I never was a Star Trek fan, not a Trekkie, but uh, I love me some Spock because I just I've always struggled with illogical thinking. Yes, 
of like, you know, when people were telling me something, I'm looking at them, I'm like, that makes absolutely no sense. Sorry. <laughs> I don't get it. Uh, but this makes absolutely no sense to me. Good luck. All right, great, whatever, but... I'm glad you. I'm glad you brought up the whole Star Trek thing. It's funny because you don't like Star Wars, you don't like Star Trek, but yet in a recent story on the city commissioner in Safety Harbor, he was called himself a nerd, and I thought <laughs> you are not a nerd, Mister Long, Commish, until you embrace one of those shows. Uh, I'm, uh, I believe the, the actual quote that was not in that article, but the other one was uh, policy nerd. So oh, Policy nerd. See, they took it out of uh, they took that damn media. Always taking yeah. things out of context. Yeah, so, I, you know, I'm, I'm an AV club nerd. I'm not the, uh, the guys at the other end of the lunch table all dressed in costume every day. <laughs> nerd. <laughs> You'd be the so. one who had to wear the red Star Trek shirt because you would always die on the... On the landing missions, that because <clears throat> you would not be important enough to the show. Well, anyway, this was a, a sh- when I saw this on the file when you found this story. I mean, I was shocked. This just it just you could tell there's just something wrong with this person. You know. Yeah. So I mean, here, here's the thing. Uh, I'm going to agree with you that obviously there's lots of things wrong with this person, right? Um, but let, let's stop for a minute and assume maybe not as much wrong as we thought. The one thing that's definitely wrong is actually thinking that this is a plausible, viable defense. Like, hey, you know what? I'm going to walk into court and tell my lawyer, yeah, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to walk in there and say I was just trying to get revenge on God for not not giving me that, spiking that ten on the river. <laughs> and I go, oh, yeah, oh, man, that, that's great. That's better than anything I came up with. All right, let's do it. That's slam dunk. I mean, I just can imagine... That whole thought process, right? So you think that... Uh, it's illogical. <laughs> you sounded just like him. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it could be a legal argument, but obviously it didn't work. He's still getting almost two years for it. If he, unless, Well, good behavior, he'll get out, but... Yeah, and I guess I should qualify what I said there. I mean, it, it, I made it sound jokey. I didn't mean it to sound jokey. I meant it to be that, that there are actually people out there that that think that uh, he has to think that he was in the right by doing this, right? right. Uh, God let him down, so I'm just going to do something to get back at him, and I can't believe the cops are calling me away. I mean, this is this is between me and God. <laughs> this doesn't involve you, Paul. Which, which and, uh, not to interrupt, yeah. but that follows a lot of like drama on television where they I've seen many court dramas where they bring a nun in or a priest in on the stand. They're like, "Why did you kill that boy?" And they, it's between me and God. You know, it was a exorcism, or you know, you see that all the time. And a lot of those shows are ripped from the pages of reality too, of like newspapers and and whatever. So some people truly believe that that they're actually they have this one on one relationship with their deity, and it's between them, and it's higher than your laws of the land you know yeah and i'm not sure if there's still law and order on now but there's like a law and order special poker crime show that this this one's definitely going to be made into one right <laughs> absolutely that producer's home like all right i don't want to work this week <laughs> show wrote itself <laughs> that's right i'm i'm fairly certain there's still a law and order somewhere that's still being producing oh, the shows be. it's gotta be yeah unreal or, or seven you know <laughs> all right 
to the next one. Oh, they just get crazy, right? Yeah. A uh, poker player named Tyler, who wouldn't give his last name, uh, has claimed he was kicked out of a Cincinnati casino because patrons complained that he had defecated in his pants. The claim he denies. Because he believes he was 89 to the day because he had won $2,000 during a poker room promotion and a casino didn't want him winning any more money. Oh, that stinks. <laughs> uh, first of all, I don't believe everyone knows what 89 means, by the way. All right, I kicked out. Sorry. I yeah, always like to throw it. At least I didn't misspeak like I usually do when I say 89 and make it really embarrassing. But. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, well, one of the things I found interesting was. He thinks that the casino cares how much money he wins yeah. in a poker right? thing. Yeah. It's like it's poker. It's not even the casino's money you're winning. You're winning our money or people's players' money. So they don't care how much you win. So that can't be the reason. You must have pooped your pants. Yeah, so it, there's a lot of similarities between these two items, aren't there? In terms of <laughs> the, they both share the same defense lawyer, it sounds like. <laughs> They don't really understand how this stuff works, but, you know, hey, more power to them. But, uh, but yeah, that was absolutely the first thing I was reading, and I'm like, poker room isn't giving any... It's not that poker room's money. It's a player's money. It's going to someone. I mean, it's going to someone anyhow. <laughs> it's not like it's going to... If they if he didn't win it, that poker room was going to be able to put three new chairs in there. <laughs> you know? Clearly, this guy doesn't understand what what he had won and what it means to the casino. So therefore it, it, he didn't realize just how silly this defense that he had um, made him sound. I tell you, um, I think one of the lines in the story was, uh, Tyler is keeping all of his options open. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> yeah. How about uh, taking a shower and, I mean, I, I don't know. Bring a change of clothes. Bring a change of clothes. <laughs> uh, go to the bath. You know, it's okay to fold a couple of hands, buddy. Go to the restroom and <clears throat> get yourself some clean, as Scott said once on the show. Well, let's just say this must be the best poker promotion in history, right? This guy, you know, dumps in his pants, goes to the bathroom, throws his underwear away, soils his pants, and comes back out because it's such a good promotion. He can't leave. He has to win more money. <laughs> I can see him on the phone of the wife. Oh, man, it's, just, it's a disaster in my pants right now, but uh, it's $2,000 an hour. Can't you just see like the folks at Depends just jumping all over this? Oh, my gosh. When you got to go. win that $2,000 at the poker table and you can't leave. Rely on depends <laughs> to get you through the session. I mean, seriously. Not entirely sure that would have solved the guy's problem here because it wasn't just the uh, the skin mark on his pants that people were complaining about. It was the smell. So, <laughs> Well, you know, they got those scented depends probably that seal in the freshness. So. Seal <laughs> in the freshness. <laughs> this has got to be the, the greatest opening of the show ever. I mean, these two topics... Oh, all the same week. It's like I, yeah, it's like Irma and and Jose coming to meet in the middle of the Bahamas somewhere. <laughs> yeah, sorry all of you folks to tune in and get some very educated uh, poker advice here. It's uh, yeah. no, it's yeah. it's a poker uh, humor show today. Sorry. Hopefully, you're not listening <laughs> to the show over a meal. <laughs> Any updates? The schedule and preview for the Pearl River Poker Open and Antioch Poker Tour Series at Pearl River Resort in Choctaw, Mississippi, 
October 26th and November 5th has been posted at anagatmagazine.com slash Pearl River. The 11 event series starts and ends with a 100K guarantee event, including a $800 buy-in main event that will put the winner on the cover of Anagat Magazine and in the 2018 Anagat World Championship. It features a couple of new interesting events, including one where winners have the option of taking double their winnings in non-negotiable table games chips. Also, if you'd like to be one of our monthly magazine contributors and represent Annie Up in your home area, apply at AnnieUpMagazine.com slash ambassadors. We have immediate openings in the Northeast and Missouri slash St. Louis. Each week, we spotlight a listener who emails us at podcast at and if they haven't won something from us in the past year, just like we do with Call the Floor and Hand of the Week, we send them something cool. Mark Helly writes in, says, I have a question about calling with the nuts. I usually play online, so the person who bet or raised always shows his or her hand first when called. However, in live hands, the aggressor frequently folds when called, and it is generally not good etiquette to request to see the called hand. My question arises from a time that I flopped quads, which was the nut hand. On the river, my opponent went all in, and I called. I immediately turned over my quads, probably because I was way too excited to hit quads. My opponent folded. Would it have been a Deutsche Bank move to wait for my opponent to show his hand first and then show the quads? It seems like it would be, and if the shoe were on the other foot, which has happened a couple of times, it would seem like adding insult to injury. Also, it seems that this would apply more to quad nut hands. If I have the nut flush, it seems more acceptable to wait for your opponent to show his or her hand first before showing the nuts. The opponent and I played together several times over the next few days, and he said that he turned a boat. Uh, I guess what I told Mark on this one is that you have to decide what's more important to you. Is seeing your opponent's hand the most important thing? or not being labeled a Deutsche Bank, the more important thing. <laughs> oh, if it's the, the former, then absolutely. I mean, it's proper for the aggressor to table first. You're not doing anything wrong uh, by waiting until they table, and then you get your information. Um, but, you know, the side effect of that is people are go, hey, Eric, you slow on with quads, right? But if it's the other way, uh, obviously there's nothing wrong with tabling your hand before the other person folds uh, or tables. Um, so you could do that. So you take away any uh, accusation of being a Deutsche Bank. Uh, but if you do that, then you run the risk of what happened here of your opponent looking at it and go, eh, can't beat that, and pulling. So I think it's really just a personal choice. Uh, but he's right. You know, it's generally not good etiquette that request to see a called hand. So that's that's not an appropriate option here. Yeah, I mean, if there is, like, say you're in a situation with somebody who's just been confounding you all session, and you just can't figure out the way this person's playing, and you've never gotten to see him at showdown to see how he's playing, what kind of hands he's playing, and why he's playing him this way, that kind of thing, I might risk the situation and say, you know, I called, what do you got? And then say, okay, and then show your hand and say, the only reason why I did that is because I'm just trying to get more information on you because you're such a good player. Maybe you sort of reverse it with a backhanded compliment or something. I don't know. But to me, if if I'm playing with most of the time, I'm just going to call and show the quads immediately and let him muck and scurry into the corner because he tried to bluff me or whatever. But <laughs> in this case, you know, if, if, you were, if you were sitting there saying, God, this Scott Long, every time I play with him, I, I can't figure him out. He, 
you know, when we get to the river, he makes a bet that I can't call and I have to fold, so I never know what he has. This time I finally can see what he has for the first time in three hours. I'm going to make him show me, you know. Um, and even then, you know, if you're refusing the show and they were bluffing, they're going to muck anyway. They're just going to muck because they know they can't win. And right. if they have a hand that they think can win, then they're going to show first because they're supposed to show first. Then when you show the quad, say, hey, I only waited to show because I, you're just you're playing so well. I just wanted to see what hand you had and how you were playing. I'm trying to get more information on you. I'm not being a Deutsche Bank. So, I mean, you could try to smooth it over that way. Um, yeah, I guess that's the best way. That's probably the best option you have if you're going to go that, that, that first way. Yeah. Is, is to, if you get any kind of brushback at all, just be clear and explain that, hey, I mean, I don't even think you have to, the backhand compliment's a nice strategy, I think, but I don't even think you need to do it. I think you to be honest and just say, hey, I've been playing with you a lot. Uh, I've never seen you show down my hand, and I, I just wanted the information. I wasn't trying to slow roll you, and, you know, that, that may not work. <laughs> I mean, not make them feel any better, probably won't. Um, but it might make the other players at the table understand what you did it. So, um, but the compliment's a good idea. Yeah, I think. I mean, it's the only thing. If you're trying to avoid looking bad or whatever, but you really want that information, just make an explanation. And then, if it's not good enough for them, then hey, you know what? I have every right to do what I did. You may not like the etiquette. It's not ethical. Not unethical. It's just kind of an eth- etiquette thing that's been, you know, agreed upon, sort of. But it's kind of like the uh, the tournament. Uh, implied collusion where everyone just checks it down to get the guy out even though they really shouldn't be doing that you know it's just an implied thing that you do sometimes um but yeah yeah you have every right to see it but you should probably just show it and i don't think it change i don't think it changes for the other situation by the way i don't think we really addressed that the part about if you have the nut flush yeah, yeah you're right actually i was wondering that as well too I, um, I don't think it changes you have the nut hand no matter how good just because you happen to make quads doesn't make it any different you still have the nut hand so how how that changes if it's the actual nut hand then it doesn't change it's the same situation well the only thing i could say is that the quads are so rare that that people like look at it like it's a two dollar bill like, oh, where'd you get that you know <laughs> uh or not flush happens all the time right so um so maybe that's what it is it's because because you could see somebody like oh my god hit quads and you're waiting where it's you turn over the nut flush it's a, it's a step down uh, i don't think it's a, a big step down but it is a step down hey nut is a nut that's all i gotta say <laughs> we're did all you... just squirrels looking for another nut aren't we <laughs> did you uh did you read that story about the the kid who wanted to pay for his lunch with a two dollar bill and they put him in jail no that's not good because i brought some two dollar bills on the cruise yeah there's some story about uh he had enough it was like a rare two dollar bill it wasn't like a regular one it was like an older one and, like, he had to pay for his... It was, like, his lunch or something. I think school lunch or something. And they, like, called the cops on him. They thought he was trying to hand in a fake bill, and he was a child. Oh, my God. And then they settled it, and they figured it all out. But, yeah, it was some crazy story. It's just a, Not that we're trying to get away from poker here. I'm just... When you said $2 bill, made me think of it. <laughs> okay, find yourself in a situation at your favorite poker room or home game, and you're not sure what the proper ruling should have been? Email us at podcastandandyatmagazine.com, and we'll have Hollywood Casino Toledo Director of Poker, Elliot Schechter, tell you how he would have ruled. By the way, I want to let everybody know, Elliot does a lot of writing for us in the magazine. He does a bang-up job. Whenever you see an Elliot Schechter byline or whatever, I know he does a real good job on the show for us a lot and everything, and you, you read that stuff, but sometimes he writes other things for us, and he's just he's just a really good writer and really good for our you know, our industry. He really is just a good guy, and I, I just wanted to say that in the show, because I, maybe not everybody reads our magazine who listens to the show, but every once in a while he'll have a byline in there he wrote about 
uh, Gene uh, Trimble, who, who recently died, and uh, just a, he was one of his mentors and wrote a really nice little profile on him, and he wrote about the Poker TDA Summit, and of course his, you know, his call to floor stuff is in the magazine every once in a while too, so just just a real good guy. If you're in the Toledo area, you know, stop by and, and, and you know, thank the guy and see him, but uh, just wanted to say that before we did this. Uh, Dean Ratcliffe. Uh, writes and says, I'm the dealer for this hand in a self-dealt pub league tournament, and it is the last hand before a break. Everyone folds except for the small blind, who completes, and the big blind checks his option. The hand is checked down all the way to the river, and both players table their hands almost simultaneously, with the big blind just tabling first. Unfortunately, he throws his hand face up onto the board, and his bottom card gets mixed up with one of the flop cards. I confess I wasn't paying too much attention to the board when dealing. There was no action on any street, and I wasn't sure which card was on the flop. Also, there were no other players at the table to verify it because they had all gone on break once they folded. The board, Jack, X, Jack, 4, Trey. Big Blind had 9X. His other card was either a 7 or a Deuce, with the other being the middle card on the flop. Small Blind had 7, 5. Big Blind claims he had 9-7, which would be good enough to win the hand. Small Blind claims he had the 7, um, that it claims that the 7 was on the flop, which would give him a pair. I thought the deuce was on the flop, but not with any certainty. What should the ruling be? Yeah, see, this is a tough one because it's self-pop, uh, self-dealt, so we didn't uh, send this to uh, our friend Elliot after that. <laughs> Great praise you gave him. <laughs> um, That's why I gave him the praise because so, we didn't use him this week. <laughs> uh, I mean, obviously in a casino, this would be easy. That's when you go to the eye in the sky and look down, and they confirm what was on the flop, and yeah. everything's hunky dory, right? Um, we don't have that obviously in the self dealt, so you're in a little bit of a pickle. Um, uh, so I guess what I suggested is you you don't have to disperse the pot right now. You can hold the pot. Um, and then when players come back from break, uh, you can ask folks if they remember what was on the flop last time or not. Hopefully there's a consensus that there was a seven or a deuce there. Um, and then you can award the pot based on that. If there's not a consensus or people don't know, then you're still stuck at that point. Um, and, but to that end, I mean, we don't normally like to split pots up, uh, I know, especially in tournaments, but this is one of those rare cases where it's really a no harm, no foul situation to do that because the only money in the pot belongs to these two people. They both put in the exact same amount. Mm. So to, to give, and there was no actions. We're not talking about a lot here. <laughs> I think it was just the blinds, really. No one put any betting in after that. So even if the, the small blind is correct in saying that he should have won, I would like to think that it's not going to make a big deal over one bet yeah. <laughs> being split up um now if this was a different situation where there's a lot of action and two or three different players in uh might be time to do that audition for that southwest airlines commercial want to get away <laughs> just <laughs> just slip out of the pub and never come back oh man uh, i don't know what you do in that case but but it's a good reminder i mean that's a good thing when bad things happen it's always a good reminder of in the future to not let it happen so uh, i hope that, that and i'm probably should, pretty sure that Dean going forward is going to remember every flop that he deals going forward because he doesn't want the same thing to happen again. But uh, I don't don't know if that's the good solution. It seems to be the best solution I could come up with. 
Uh, one thing I wanted to know was uh, you, you you edit these sometimes, so I was curious. Did he actually tell you what the ruling ended up being, what they decided to do, or no? Uh, no, no, I don't think so. This, okay. I think it's it off of PokerRadius.com. So. <clears throat> oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know what to do. I really don't. You know, and I we I bring this up on the show a lot. That last hand that I was in before the the break at the World Series when I had pocket jacks, the other guy had pocket fives, and he went all in, and I called, and he flopped a five on me, and I was devastated to down like fifteen, six hundred chips. Went on break, and they took my money and put it in someone else's pot or something. Um, yeah. And so I was thinking that that was significant action, and had that happened. You know, I mean, this is the World Series that had the eye in the sky, but like you're saying, we come up with an answer, but if there was significant action, I don't know what to do. I really don't know what you do here. I think that the person who threw the cards should be penalized because he should not have done that with his cards. That's the only thing I could think of, is that that guy should not have done that with his cards. He's the one that messed everything up. You know what I mean? That, and, that's a very good point, that the, uh, the small blind table properly, big boring <clears throat> table, and say improperly, but... Sloppily yeah. enough to cause the situation. Yeah. So I mean, it's the only thing I can think of. Other than that, it's like, yeah, okay, split the pot. But if there was significant action, and it wasn't this board, it was some serious board where one made a flush and one made a straight or whatever. But he mixes cards up. You know, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I don't know how it could. Ha- it's, it seems odd to me that this happened in the first place because, you know, it's like he's saying he had no pair, but then he did have a pair. Now this guy's saying that's my seven. Because that's what gave him the pair of sevens, which it seems like I'm I'm more likely to believe the small blind in this situation. But yeah, if, if I'm a cop here and I got to make a decision, I'm definitely going to small blind. Because think about it this way: if it's a big blind and he had nine seven in his hand, well, actually no, I, I keep forgetting that that one card in the hand wouldn't be there. It wasn't so. See, if, if well, the guy had nine no, seven, I guess, I guess I'm the opposite because if there was a seven on the board, what, what's the small blind waiting to bet for on that river now? Right, because it's he's got sevens and jacks with better than yeah, fours. So I'm, and, I'm sorry, it's the opposite. I meant to say that then I'm going to have to put the big blind here because the small blind really did. If that board had that seven on there, certainly understandable to check it because you're scared about the jack. Certainly understandable to maybe still check it on the turn because you're still scared of the jack. But once the big blind doesn't put a bet in on the turn, can't have a jack. And so really the only thing, there's nothing else that you could beat because you have the next best, best pair there. So yeah. I, I really have a hard time believing that you wouldn't bet that river. Yeah, I don't know. It's not like there's another hand out there that can beat you. So, I mean, do you really think this guy is, like, checking trip jacks all the way to the end? Heads up? I don't know. I don't believe it. But, but again, but we can't even get into that. Yeah, I mean, you can't get into somebody's head. But we can get into the fact that the guy mucked it or threw his cards into the middle and screwed up the board. And he's the reason we're having this problem, not the small blind. The small blind... Table seven five says I had a pair of sevens, but you know we don't know why he didn't. Maybe that the guy was still was still trying to, you know, slow play his jacks. Who knows? You know, there's there's no you can't get to somebody's head. You can't think for them, as right. Elliot right. would say. So, yeah, just very interesting, very interesting. I, I don't know what I would have done here. I, I luckily in this situation, you're right. They could have just said, hey, it's one bet each. Just take your money back and go to break and don't do it again. Right. You probably wouldn't have had the time to. I think this out the way we have, but I guess that's what I, if you did, I would have told the two players, hey, all right, we, we can't figure out what the cards are. I'm going to hold the pot. When the players come back, we're going to ask every single player uh, if they remember what the flop was. If they all of them agree, that's who we're going to award the pot to. If, if, if there's confusion on what the flop is, then we're just going to chop the pot. 
uh, that way so everybody knows ahead of time. So it's not like you're making a judgment after you hear yeah. that might be the best way to go. But again, I don't, I don't know if I would come up with that solution that quickly in that scenario. It's really, it's a crappy situation to be in. Yeah. Uh, surprised Tyler wasn't Cincinnati wasn't there. <laughs> crappy as a situation. This, this is. Hey, it's uh, O'Malley's moves tournament ride along episode seven. Here it comes. Hello again. I think this is a perfect situation to chip up a bit. And I think we have some fold equity here. We shove our eight big blinds in. It's folded to the second limper who calls and shows us an offsuit ace six. And after the board runs down, jack, nine, deuce, king, eight, we luckily more than double up. We've made it to the final two tables of the tournament. Top ten get paid, and we're sitting with 15 big blinds. It's folded to us in the MP, and we look down at the ace of diamonds, jack of diamonds. We make it three big blinds to go. The player to our immediate left calls, and the button raises to six big blinds, leaving him with 20. It's folded back to us. What's the move? Uh, grrr. Why do we keep making standard raises when we are short stacked? I would have shoved instead of simply raised when it first got to us. But now that we have a limper and a re-raiser, our only options are to shove or fold. I don't like shoving because our hand isn't as strong as it was when we first acted. Uh, so I think we need to begrudgingly fold so we can keep 12 big blinds and shove, not simply raise, next time we enter a pot. I have to agree with the grrr. <laughs> um, but where I disagree is the fold. I'm just not sure I'm going to get a better hand than this before I'm so short it won't be ineffective when I do shove. I, I think I'm either calling or shoving regardless of the flop since I'm first to act or just shoving. I, I just I understand what you're saying, but to me it's like am I get you know it goes around again. Am I going to get a better hand than this? This is suited ace jack. I'm I'm going to get it in um, and see what happens. But uh, so all right, so here comes the conclusion to our tournament ride along. Uh, but we're going to talk about the conclusion next week because we want to maybe broaden it into a bigger discussion about some other things. So turn it right along at conclusion now. Hello once again. This seems like a squeeze play to me. I really think we might have the best hand here. There are 13 and a half big blinds in the pot, and we have 12 in our stack. If we shove here, the re-raiser is going to have to call nine more. And that's where we made our mistake. We have very little fold equity here. Our opponent thinks for a while before calling and tabling eights. We don't improve and are out. Ten short of the money. Well, at least we were free rolling. Until next time, I'm Malcolm O'Malley saying, be mindful of tournaments that play more like bingo games in the later rounds. Adjust your play accordingly. Do you think I did? I hope to see you on the felt. It's time for the advancedpokertraining.com Hand of the Week. Send your hands or situations to podcast at antiupmagazine.com. If you haven't won something from us in the past year, you will get a free membership to Advanced Poker Training, the world's number one poker training site. And I do want to remind folks that you get a free membership from Advanced Poker Training if you sail on an Antia Poker Cruise. So that's another way of getting a free month. Yeah. All right. So uh, new guy, Vic G. Never heard from him. Um He's back uh, with the end of the week. We, we love that Vic G keeps us in business here. So, um, And he always has very interesting hands. So he, I think he kind of sets us up as a situation, but as usual, we'll play it as a hand of the week until it situates. Situates. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great new word. Yeah, it's another long dictionary. <laughs> All right, he's playing one, two, no limit, hold him. 
table's been very loose, uh, mainly because many of the players feel that they are better post-flop players. Hands like 8 Trey and 9-6 have taken down big pots. Um, the end of the gun player has been on a steady diet of Red Bulls for at least 15 hours. Oh, my gosh. Whoa. Sides. Uh, he plays 82 cards and always opens for a raise, this time to $12. He has about four fifty in his stack. Uh, the next player calls. He's a guy I know from playing at home games years ago. He plays uh, loose aggressive, loves to get tricky, and knows I'm a solid player who three barrels a bit too often. He sits with about $800. Two players fold, and it's on us with ace-queen off. Well, if I'm Scott Long, I'm folding. <laughs> yes, right? <laughs> uh, I, uh, I'm not Scott Long. And I know these players well, and I know what type of hands they play. I d- I don't know if I would three bet here. Um, I might just call. Or, did you say we're on the button? Um, pretty close. It doesn't right, so, say that. So we're we likely going to have position though, at least on these two, two guys. Two players are folded now. It's on us. So okay, yeah. yeah. So we're probably going to have position. I might just call and then. Uh, try to play these guys on the flop and see what you know I mean if you know one guy really well from your home game you know the other guy is really loose and hyped up on Red Bull you know you, you know you might not need to three bet uh, you might be able to just play him afterwards so I think I'll just call um, I don't like three bet with ace queen I just don't do it I mean I, I, I do it if I know I'm heads up with somebody and I know they're loose or whatever but if I got another player in there who might have been thinking like hey I know the undergun guy plays any two cards that's why I just called his raise, because I have Ace King and I'm trapping it. You know what I mean? So there's a lot of things here that I'm gonna encounter, I think, on this hand. But I think I'm just gonna call. Yeah, normally I'm not opposed with the the three bet here, but um, just with the the players, the we the way they've been described, I, I'm not comfortable getting another bet, another raise on top of mine, and have to call that and play this hand with that. And it seems likely with one or both of these guys. So. Um, uh, I, I do think folding is too tight in this situation, so I'm going to call. Um, but that's based on the players in his hand now. I think in a more passive game, I would three bet with this. Yeah, absolutely. There were you know one one raise from some loose guy, and then the call from some standard guy who just that's all he does is call. Then yeah, I'm three betting. But in this situation, I'm I'm with you. I'm just going to call. All right. Uh, he says a raise to take down the pot with this crowd would have to be 60 to $75. I'd rather disguise the strength of my hand, so I call the $12. Uh, the next player is new to the table and is short-stacked. He moves all in for $32. The next player folds, but the button is a very capable player who cold calls the $32 and sits with the biggest stack at the table. It's folded to Mr. Red Bull, who quickly calls it the extra 20 bucks, as does my home game friend. Action is on us. We it was yeah, I mean, you have to call twenty dollars now to win what looks to be a hundred and forty dollar pot or something. You get seven to one on your money, something like that, with Ace Queen. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm gonna call. I'm not gonna go crazy and even raise again, but I'm not sure. I'm not folding. Yeah, I think we we got good odds here to see if we can hit our hand pretty yeah. strong here. Yeah. All right, uh, Hero says, if I called $20, I'm closing out the action, and we see a flop where I'll be in middle position five-handed with one player all in. 
Can I back raise in this spot and try to get heads up with the all-in player? I successfully back raised twice at this table. The first time against our button player who folded a better hand, and I showed the bluff. The second time they asked to see a card, and I flashed an ace on the flop of undercards. I'd rather run my ace-queen against the short stacks all-in than against three other opponents, all of whom have me covered. So one, how much would I need to raise? And two, if you were in the position of my three opponents, which hands would you fold to my raise? See, that's the hard thing because especially now that he's done it before and one of the guys folded the better hand when that happened, if they are privy to that information, then they may not take your race seriously. It might come over the top of you. Because don't forget, these other guys, you know, we don't know what they have. You know what I mean? The guy who cold calls the button, you know, the button guy he cold calls. I mean, you know, these people... They have a lot of chips in front of them. They you're gonna have to make it a huge raise, and you're doing that to you know. What I mean, I, I mean, I understand you're trying to isolate against the guy who's all in, and I don't know. I, I don't. I, I think I'm just gonna call a twenty and and hope we get a real favorable flop. Yeah, to me, I think his second question is much more important than the first question. Uh, you know, which hand, which of the from these opponents, which hands would they fold to my raise? We've got one guy that we described to play as any two cards, always for a raise, and has been chugging Red Bull like it's water all day, right? Right. I don't know what hands he would fold. <laughs> it doesn't sound like he folds very many, right? Yeah. And then the next guy has been described as loose aggressive, which doesn't mean loose. It means loose aggressive, but still that means he's he's playing a wider range than other players. And a loose aggressive strategy is to to outplay you on the flop turn and river. So I don't know what hands he's going to fold as well, too. So I think it's most like more likely that these folks are going to call quite a bit, uh, regardless of what's, how much you raise. Um, so if that's the case and we're trying to get isolated, um, I, don't, I don't think it's going to happen. So I think that's the argument against raising. Uh, the other argument I would make, too, against raising is the story you told. If someone makes a 12 and you got a caller in between and you really had a legit massive raising hand here, would you really just call and allow four cards to go against your two? Or would you have right. re-raised again earlier when you had the chance to do it with people behind you that you wanted out of the pot? Now that you've got all those people in the pot, now you're shoving with, or whatever you're doing, it's like, eh, someone's not going to believe you. Now, Ace-Queen's still a good hand, and he's asking what hands would fold to that kind of... But, you know, there might be somebody there with, like, tens who's like you know what there's just no way i don't believe you why wouldn't you have raised earlier if you had aces kings queens jacks you know because if you had jacks or queens you're vulnerable and you probably re-raise if you had aces or kings i mean yeah maybe but you had a lot of people it turns out you still had a few people behind you that were willing to act and act in a significant way when you just called the 12 why wouldn't you have raised to get heads up or to take down that you know not that 24 dollars not a lot but you know, it doesn't make sense to me now as a, as a storyteller. So uh, I don't know. I don't see very many people with any decent holding folding to your raise, or if you know if they are these quality players. So I don't know. Very difficult uh, move to make here. I think to try to raise again. Yeah, I certainly respect the desire to get heads up against a short stack, but uh, I, I just don't see that being very plausible here without a, a really big bet that I'm not comfortable making. Yeah. All right, uh, here it says, I decided if either of these three opponents had big hands, they would have four-bet rather than just call, especially since the extra $20 was probably not sufficient to fold out any of us. Wouldn't they want to thin the field? 
I decided to move all in and did so rather quickly. First two players folded easily, but my home game buddy counted out the $295 call and went to the tank for a couple minutes before opting to fold. The all-in guy tables King Jack off, and neither of us improved. I won the pot. My home game friend said that he had me beat. I didn't ask, but I suspect he folded a hand like pocket sixes to pocket nines. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I can see in that situation, though, you're only going to get called by a better hand. And the logic he used for those guys should have four-betted is the logic that he should have used, that people would have used to figure out you don't have a really good hand but with your shove. Because why would you not have three-bet with a really good hand when it got to you the first time around? And you didn't. So, to me, now you're using logic to get them to fold four-bets or three-bets or whatever. And you didn't. I guess it was four-bets because the guy shoved behind him. So, I just I don't, I don't see how you can use that logic but not have them use that logic against you. It, I mean, it's a big bet and people don't want to go broke on a coin flip with sixes or nines. And you're right. Those are the hands that would probably fold there. Um, but... Very easily, the button could have had aces and been trapping or kings, and just that's why he just smooth called, hoping one of you guys would come along and he'd get more money out of you because you couldn't get any more out of the short stack that showed. So I, it's a dangerous play. Worked for him, but I, I don't I don't really advocate doing that. Yeah, I, I'm actually surprised it worked. I mean, although I mean that was the biggest bet you can make, so you know I guess going back to what I said, I'm like I was I wasn't be comfortable with the size of bet that I thought it would work, so. Um, it actually worked, um, but that, that's a pretty big risk. <laughs> and that's a big bet. I mean, you bet three hundred, and you're only going to probably get called by a better hand. So I mean, yeah. you're really running a risk there. But it worked. It worked. It worked. And and Vic Vic's a better player than we are. So I don't know. All right, I'm Chris Cassenza, reminding you not to poop your pants at the table. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Scott Long saying, yeah, that's that's good advice. <laughs> we'll see you at the table. Anti-Up is a production of AntiUpMagazine.com. Contact the show at podcast at AntiUpMagazine.com or call our hotline at 206-338-6344. If you'd like to advertise, send an email to advertising at AntiUpMagazine.com or call 727-331-4335. Some music used in this episode comes courtesy of the Podsafe Music Network.